Cross-Country Drive As I pulled out of the gas station and onto the on-ramp of Interstate 80, I didn't expect to ever see the passing red Alfa Romeo again. They'd be getting much better mileage than my old Econoline, which these days couldn't go much over 60. When you're young, driving across 12 states in a beat-up van makes you feel adult. There's a feeling of loneliness driving, especially at night on a freeway crossing an entire state that was home to only about a half million people. That's less than the city of Toledo, Ohio. The highway has a section called the Highway to Heaven. In those days, there was only AM radio in cars, and where we were, and by we, I mean the van and I, there would only be sermons and talk radio. Traffic was light and other vehicles rare, except the occasional 12-wheeler. This road was so lonely, it was a pleasure to see the truckers signal that it was okay to get back in the right lane once you passed them. I guess part of the adult feeling was the lack of entertainment other than watching carefully for deer. People didn't hitchhike on this deserted road, and I'd hate to think of what would happen if you broke down. No cell phones in those days, and the call boxes were few and far between. After a stop at the 101-pump gas station in Wyoming, I was set for fuel until just outside Salt Lake City. That's where I stopped in a motel for the night. It was an unusual place with only cottages and little winding paved paths that all led to the office and the food area. The food consisted on one blinking Coke machine and one mechanical monstrosity that had peanut butter crackers and Mars bars. That name has always struck me. Why Mars? I imagined a kid in some podunk town, dreaming of the stars. The kid grew up and created a candy bar named after a planet. Or maybe he was a classical music fan or a Greek mythology geek and was thinking of the god of war. Later I learned it was just the guy's name, Forrest Edward Mars. I opted for the crackers and a soda and turned to take the winding path back to my cottage. A guy, much older than me, was coming from one of the cottages and we met on the way. He said hello, mentioned something about how lonely it is in the middle of nowhere, and I agreed, neutrally. He then invited me to join him in his little place and I respectfully declined, thanking him. He then said something that has stayed with me all these years. It was a simple sentence, yet burned into my memory along with a million other inconsequential moments. He said, Well, I guess I'll just go back to my room and jack off. What, I wonder, could I have possibly replied? Funny thing is, I don't remember. Nor did I really understand completely because homosexuality wasn't something people talked about, nor was it in the news. I only understood this incident a few years later. Next morning, content to have not met my interlocutor of the night before, I checked out and hit the road. Just after crossing into Nevada, I stopped for gas. I did a double-take when I noticed a red Alfa Romeo again, also filling up. I refueled, stocked up on the kind of junk food you found in gas stations, sometimes next to the soft porn magazines. After paying, I noticed the red Alpha was gone. I warmed up the engine, it was getting chilly, and headed back towards the interstate. You can see how boring such a long solo trip is, and how a minor detail can distract and entertain. Keeping track of the red car was a game to help stay awake, stay sane. I wasn't a huge fan of hitchhiking myself, in fact, never done it except in an emergency. I didn't generally pick people up either, but at the freeway entrance was a girl. She was around my age and had an anodyne hippie look about her. I was into that, and it just seemed like it wasn't going to be a problem, so I pulled over and told her to climb in. We stuck her bag in back and introduced ourselves. I forgot her name, but when she heard mine, 
she giggled a little. When I asked why, she said, don't you know what the word Randy means? I laughed, but my face was probably redder than that little car. She explained that it was in common use in Britain. I'd never been to Europe. We chatted as strangers would, and there was no sexual vibe there. More's the pity, I thought. She asked me to leave her at Lovelock, so I exited the freeway, dropping her off at the entrance of the town as she'd asked. At this point, I wasn't surprised to see the same red alpha leaving the drugstore, headed towards the freeway. Boring. A straight section of freeway as far as the eye could see, and night was falling. With luck, I'd be in Reno well before midnight. Nothing but blackness out there. No moon. No stars. No lights except my own high beams. Once in a great while, a car passing in the other direction forced both drivers to dim their lights. That was the only change from the steady, loud engine sound. Suddenly, I saw what looked like fireworks ahead of me maybe a half mile or so. I slowed down, the retinal memory of the sparks still visible to me. Peering out into the high beams, I could now make out a car. Not just any car, a red Alfa Romeo. I pulled over on the shoulder and I could see two people standing there looking like they were in shock. It was a couple, the woman holding a baby. The front of the Alfa was completely smashed in, like the cars you see in a junkyard, the front compressed by a foot or more. Are you okay? I asked. Stupid question. But what other icebreaker would anyone come up with? They nodded, but appeared to be absorbed by something just off the road. Then I saw it. An elk. Huge. Bigger than their car. The sparks I saw were from the headlights smashing and whatever else was thrown up into that broken light show. Then a semi-truck pulled over behind us. The trucker, a big, beefy guy with a Chevrolet cap, climbed down. He was gripping the biggest-ass knife I'd ever seen. I could see the light from my headlights in his eyes as he limped towards us. Several horror movie scenarios whizzed in my head. The couple, Italian tourists they had explained in broken English, weren't looking particularly reassured either. The trucker cracked a big smile and said, You gotta watch out for elk in this country. They so big, they think they own the road, ain't afraid of nothing. He then knelt down next to the huge animal and started to skin it. Meat'll go bad fast, gotta deal with it right away. You folks good? I was amazed the people, especially the baby, were not at all injured, just badly shaken. I offered the folks a lift to the next town. As we were leaving, the truck driver had set his bright spotlight on the carcass and was skinning away. I dropped the couple and their baby off at the next town with a motel. I took them in to make sure they would be able to make arrangements in the morning for towing. They were grateful and wanted to offer me money, which I of course refused. I'll never see a red Alfa Romeo again without remembering that trip.